truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I am your co-host, James Jackson, sitting here with my main man, Jake Galley, our producer. Stat Matt is right there. And we got another distinguished guest on this episode of Straight Facts, Jacob Martin from the Houston, Texas Temple graduate and now pro NFL player, taking the time to sit down and chop up with us. We appreciate you coming on, Jake. How you doing? Yeah, man. Thank you guys for having me. You know, uh, I'm excited. It's been a, it's been a, it's been an interesting year to say the least, you know, with the coronavirus uh, pandemic going on. But you know, I'm looking forward to the, the this upcoming season, if there is a season. You know, I'm just thankful thankful for the opportunity to be on the show. Appreciate you guys for having me. Let's get it in. Yeah, no problem. No problem. We appreciate you. We appreciate you taking the time. Absolutely. And, and Jake, you mentioned obviously coronavirus impacting pretty much everyone who lives in the United States. I'm sure it shook up your off season as well. But mm-hmm. w- what have you been doing? What have you been up to? Man, uh, forcing me to get creative, man, <laughs> to say the least. You know, I, had to, I uh, ended up uh, building a gym in my in my garage, you know. Uh, with, I'm not sure how fast I put the gym together, man, but I put it together in, in a couple of days, you know, and um, just been training out, of, training out of the garage, man, like like uh, taking it back to high school days, man. So it's, 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 it's cool to be back uh, and working um, in a familiar environment. Um, so, as your garage or your backyard, things like that. So um, it's interesting, to say the least. I mean, you're talking about getting creative. And I know in a normal off-season, I know you have, you know, you know strength and, and conditioning, you know, regiments and workouts and stuff that you stick to. But you obviously can't do your normal things. Like, are you, are you still able to get your normal workouts in, your normal film time in, your normal chemistry time with your teammates? Like, how is this really throwing your world out of way? Um it's different, you know, in terms of, you know, the period of football we're in right now, you know, we're, we would be in OTAs if this was a, was a, was a normal year. Um, and uh, the majority of clubs, if not all the clubs, you know, are, are doing their, their online uh, meeting rooms and, and things like that, which, which pose some different, some different challenges, uh, you know, for, for new coaching staffs or new coaches, uh, rookies and, and uh, things like that, you know, it makes things a little bit, difficult to learn you know if, if you're new to the system or new um coach to the system so it's really just trying to capture and understand that everyone's trying to learn together you know and that, that's what it's about you know it's, it's just trying to learn as much as you possibly can because whenever the whenever they say we can go you know we're going to go you know mm-hmm. so uh and that can be in august which means the season is is there it's here right, you know right. um so you really gotta it's really really about the mental game you know going in this period you know and it makes the mental game harder because you're not in front of uh, your coaches. You're not, you don't have the abilities to do the walkthroughs and uh, things like that, that, that help you um, learn uh, the defenses and concepts and things like that. So um, it's difficult. It's challenging to, to really, to really get that across the players, you know, but obviously leaning on the, the vets and the older guys on the team, dudes that have been through training camps and uh, things like that, you know, giving advice to the younger players and um, trying to help the coaches navigate this time as well, because this is new for everyone. So. That's interesting. I've, I've rarely heard players say like, we have to navigate coaches. It's kind of like managing up. Like it's, it's such a crazy time for everyone that, you know, even people at the top have, you know, need a helping hand sometimes with times like this. So it's great that you recognize that, but you said something really in particular just now you said when it gets going and Jake, we cannot stress to you as people who cover sports, we want, is to get going like we we want yeah. we just don't know we just don't know when like that that's the worst part about it is we don't know when but we're on the outside looking in i'm wondering as someone who's on the inside of being within the nfl organization what have you heard about how the nfl plans to conduct going forward going into next season have you heard anything from the texans from people around you like we give us the inside scoop well man the inside scoop, man, is nothing because I have been told nothing. We have we have literally been told nothing. That makes so, me feel better. That makes me feel better. <laughs> like, so, so the, the information that, that the, public, the general public receives from the NFL, uh, you know, it's the same information we get, you know. So um, they're basically t- telling us, you know, right now, like I, personally, I think that organizations and 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 sports clubs are, are honestly waiting to see what happens, you know, in terms of which sport 
which sport is going to be the first one to try to come up with a blueprint to, to take on this, you know, and I think that other sports and other, uh, whether it be the NCAA or the NFL or MLB, you know, whatever the NBA, however the NBA goes, you know, in, in Orlando, I think that's, that's going to determine yeah, a lot. I, I, I think because, you know, this is kind of like a, like a guinea pig type of thing, you know, you don't really know what's going to happen until you, you try it really, you know, right. um, and with the way things are going, you know, and, and, and looking at the science of things, you know, the science of things are, are telling us that this is nowhere near over, you know, it's, our goal is obviously to, to flatten the curve and things like that. But, you know, you, you, you bring people in too fast or you make moves too fast and you get your players hurt or your staff members sick and things like that, that could be, that could be detrimental to the organization, you know? So I think the NFL and the other leagues around the, around the world are taking their time with this, you know, trying to put the, put the players and the staff's best foot forward in terms of uh, how they want to do this, you know, because it'd be easy to, to suggest and, and say that you can hold all 32 teams uh, in the NFL in one state at, at one location. Uh, but you can't, man. That's, that's uh, it, like, they, that's 64 players on every team, man. Like what, like, you're not going to have a space big enough for their family and friends, you know, on top of trying to keep guys there for 17 weeks. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's something hard to do. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's hard to yeah. do. So, yeah, the guys are guys are excited, and the you know, NFL is telling us that the plan on things being on time. You know, minus the the OTAs. You know, they're they're trying to make up for it with the online stuff. You know, but other than that, man, we we haven't really heard much. You know, besides try to stay healthy. You know, social distance, stay clean, things like that. Uh, no necessary traveling. Just the, the basic stuff that everyone else is doing. You know, um, waiting to hear, waiting to see how things work out with. Uh, NBA and things like that, I guess. So you you mentioned uh, that you're kind of finding out things as we go along, kind of at the same place that the fans are. Um, and I want to go back to the start of last season. You are involved in a trade for Jadavian Clowney, um, obviously sending mm-hmm. you to Houston. Uh, what was your reaction to that, and how did you find out that you were traded? Man, um, like when I when I – my, my experience with the NFL has been a little bit different than most than most cats, you know, most guys in the league. You know, me, I was fortunate enough to have a brother, uh, you know, that, that showed me the ropes of how to navigate the NFL and things like that. But when the trade happened, you know, like he had nothing to tell me because he'd never been traded before. So, um, <laughs> you know, so that, that was an interesting experience. And I think that it's it's a uh, it's a very unique experience because not a lot of people talk about how trades go down, mm-hmm. especially if you're not the one requesting a trade. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like uh, I was very much in the in the in the dark about it. Um, I had I had like a little like a hint like a, I had a, a weird feeling, you know, um, coming coming towards the end of a training camp, you know, um, and there were uh, discussions uh, floating around with Jadavion and flirting with Seattle and things like that. And uh, I'm thinking in my head like. Nah, man, we didn't draft any guys this year. You know, we didn't draft any edge guys. So it's, it's either it's going to be, it's got it's got to be somebody in the room. You know, um, and you know, you're not you're not really thinking like in your head. You're not really thinking like I'm going to be traded. Uh, they just drafted me last year. You know, you're thinking to yourself, I'm playing Seattle for a long time and um, things like that. You know, but that's part of the business. Things happen, um, and the trade went through. And I, it was actually the Friday after the last preseason game. And I was actually headed back up to Philly. Um, I landed in Philly like Friday around six o'clock. I, I drive down to Temple's campus, um, and then me and my uh, girlfriend we drive down to her parents' house in York. And like by the time we got to York, my phone was dead, so I plugged Ooh. it in, um, and my phone starts blowing up. It's like nine o'clock at night, and my phone's blowing up. I'm trying to figure out like what the heck's going on. So then uh, I get a text from like some of the like front office people in Seattle, like give me a call um, before I do anything. Like John texted me, he's like, Yo, give me a call and you get a chance. Um, you know, so that's how that went. You know, then the next day I was in Saturday, I was down in Houston and uh, that Monday, you know, uh, getting ready to uh, start, start my practices, you know, to play in that first uh, Monday night football game of the season. So um, it was interesting, you know, things happen fast and, 
uh, I think it was, it was a unique experience and I'm thankful for um, thankful for it because it, it allowed me not to get too comfortable. You know, it allowed me to, um, and almost like re refresh my mind that like, this is like, this is the business. Like you got to remember that this is the business, you know, and I'm just thankful for the opportunity uh, to, to be wanted and to, to be in a city uh, that I'm close to near and dear to my heart. Um, I'm from Houston originally. Um, so it's been awesome to be back home and uh, playing from mom and dad and grandparents and things like that. So, And I, I just got to ask, cause I know some people will use that as fuel, like, Oh, you're going to trade me for this guy. And if you look back at the numbers, you actually outperformed in terms of sacks. You had three and a half sacks compared to Clowney's three sacks last year. Is that something that you use to like fuel you when you're on the field? Uh, man, for me, I'm just looking for an opportunity, man. Uh, and uh, the big thing for me is you uh, – I'm not really big into counting my, my snap counts. Um, but if you look at, at my snap counts, I make my snaps count, if that makes sense. Um, All right, bar them up, Jake. Bar them up. So, uh, <laughs> so uh, I'm not a rapper, though. Um, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, I, I, I'm just looking for opportunity, man. I, I'm not really uh, – looking to compare myself to anyone. Uh, I think I'm a very unique player with the unique abilities um, and I can do a lot. Uh, and I, I also think that being a temple guy, you know, that puts you in a league of its own, you know, in terms of your mentality and, and how uh, you attack things uh, coming into the NFL, honestly. Um, so like the chip on my shoulder was, was, has always been there. And we will, it will always remain there, you know, and, and that's interesting. And, and I kind of want to, before we move on to the next question, I kind of want to expand on that a little bit of how you're saying Temple really prepares you. I mean, this is, well, obviously this podcast is kind of based out of Philadelphia. I have a fellow Temple alum right here. So he's going to love, yeah, he's going to love for you to toot this horn. But what exactly from Temple or maybe from Matt Rule's system in, in particular, what kind of prepared you to take on stuff in the NFL, such as, you know, being picked up and moved to a different city, but continuing to have that, that same level of production? Uh, man, I think what Temple has done in the past, uh, I don't know, say eight years, something really special, you know, has, has been taking place at Temple. And um, I, I think uh, Matt, Coach Rule, did, did a great job, you know, uh, of, of really cultivating that culture to where no matter who the head coach is, you know, it's the players that create that environment, uh, that create that standard of accountability. Um, that create that the mentality of toughness, you know, and I, I think the testament to that is that the players vote on the single digits. You know, it's not the coaches that that vote on the single digits because your teammates are going to hold you accountable uh, differently than your coaches will because your teammates are around you all the time. You know, twenty four seven, whether that be on the weekends, whether that be in the in the dorms or in your apartments or houses, whatever, um, in the locker room, things like that. So. Uh, but just the, the hard, the hard shit we did, man. You do so, you do a lot of hard shit at Temple, man. And um, in the moment, in the heat of it, you're like, why in the hell am I out here uh, diving face first in six inches of snow on uh, this frostbitten turf? You know, like why am I doing this at five a.m. in the morning? You know, so like it doesn't like just the things that that we that we were asked to do and the things that that we accomplished together at Temple. Uh, you know, just special you know the, the competition and the, and the, the uh, just everything about it man like I I really I don't think I have uh like seen something like that you know before um but just just guys just really getting after you know throwing themselves around uh just that just the mentality you know you never want to you never wanted to be the not tough guy on Temple's football team, you know what I'm saying? Like just that that mentality of like we're we're all this one core unit, you know. Um, I, I think that's that's really what what takes guys from there, you know, do to understand what it, the sacrifice, the preparation it takes to to be a pro, you know. And that was like Coach Rule's biggest thing: be a pro. You know, if you're going to be a pro, be a pro. You know, there's, what's stopping you from being a pro now? Yeah, school. You know, you're 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 a student athlete, but be a pro. You know, in, every, in all aspects of your life, you know, how you do anything is how you do everything. And um, that's, 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 that's what he taught us, and that's, that's what they continue to teach, and that's what the older guys continue to teach the younger guys. And, um, it's, it's, the proof's in the pudding, you know, with, with – I'm not sure what the number was. It was like 20-something guys on active rosters right now. So, um, clearly, clearly we're doing something right. Absolutely.
Absolutely. All right. Fun, fun time's over. We're scrapping, we're scrapping everything. And I, I need to focus on this next question. Jake and Matt are smiling because it's something we've been wondering, man. The NFL world is wondering. The sports world is wondering. You weren't involved personally in this trade, but your team was. One of the most surprising trades I probably have ever seen covering sports. You know, one of the most surprising trades the sports world has seen in general. Your Houston Texans traded DeAndre Hopkins to the Arizona Cardinals for David Johnson a second and a fourth round pick and later draft picks. And it, it, it absolutely, you know, shook the sports world, turned it sideways. And I'm just, it's another thing with being on the inside. You know, what was your reaction to that DeAndre Hopkins trade? What was the reaction from, you know, the Texans in general, Houston? Like, you know, what, what was going on, man? Give us some context to that. Uh, man, I'm not, I'm not really sure why, why the trade took place or, things like that, or, or the needs that, that, that the front office staff saw thought that we need or, or, or uh, things like that, you know. But Hop was a great dude, great teammate of mine, you know, a good friend of mine, and, um, you know, wish him the best of luck in Arizona. Um, hate to see him go, but to be honest with you guys, it's part of the business, man. It's really, really what it comes down to. Nobody's safe. Uh, so the coaches were looking to fill a need. They filled the, they, 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 uh, they, 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 uh, filled the need. Um, you know, and, and they got they got the guys that they wanted um, for Hop, and I don't know. I guess you can make the argument that it may it may not have been in the best interest, but uh, we'll see. You know, we'll see how how things go. I'm excited about this year. Um, the coaches are excited about this year. You know, the team's excited about this year. So, regardless of on who on who the, who's on the roster, you know, I know that uh, the tech the 2020 Texans are going to come uh, and play some quality football uh, all year long. He answered that question. Very well. He he handled that. He handled that so well. Cause man, it was it, it was a head scratcher. To to be honest, if I'm being honest, it's still a head scratcher to me. Yeah, yeah. I I, I knew that maybe some personal relationships were involved between Bill O'Brien and DeAndre Hopkins, but just like you said, it, it's the business, and I guess it's something we're gonna have to wait and see maybe to the end of the season whether that trade works out yeah. for either party or not. Um, but I know that's that's not something that you anticipated you wake up one morning no. and see the best receiver on your roster damn near in the NFL is gone without a first round pick in return and, and that that was kind of the lopsidedness of the trade is what is what scratched a lot of people's heads so I was just wondering as as a person on the Houston Texans you're affected directly by that trade mm -hmm. I was just wondering what you thought of it like what, what was your initial reaction when you saw that headline or that alert or that text from a team I to be honest, I didn't think it was real. You know, sometimes they have like those death hopes. Exactly. You, know, you see, like you see, yeah. you see the death hopes on, on on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. That's what I thought it was. At first, I was like, man, wow. like I thought it was like one of my, <laughs> my buddies from back home sitting in the group chat. Man, I said, they said, Jake, man, they're trading hop. I said, bro, what are you talking about, bro? Who are you talking about trading hop, man? Quit playing, quit playing. Man. But uh, yeah, man. But uh, you know, it's it's that's, that's a part of the business, man. Like it sucks, you know, but uh, it's part of the business, you know. That's that's really what it is, you know. You're trying you're trying. Coaches and GMs around the league, you know, are trying to come up with that perfect formula. You know what I mean? That's that's why that's why you don't see back to back to back Super Bowl champs yeah. because it's, it's hard to, it's hard to keep fifty three guys together. You know, it's hard. It's hard. It's hard to do. You know, and uh, that's that's what teams are actively trying to do: keep all those pieces. You know, find the right pieces. And, you know, so that that sometimes that takes moving moving some 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 guys around. Um, and that's just part of the game. Yeah, and you guys are definitely also in a unique situation with Coach O'Brien also handling some of the personnel moves. Um, but like you said, uh, you guys got a really great football player in return in David Johnson uh, mm -hmm. as well as a pick. So, you know, nothing is written yet. We'll see what happens. But uh, I'm interested in your current teammate, J.J. Watt, uh, a legend of the game and someone who is an edge rusher. I know you're categorized as a linebacker, but you do a lot of edge rushing as well, uh, what's it been like to work with a guy like JJ? Even though I know he's been injured, but has there been anything that has stuck out to you or that you've learned from him? Man, when you have any opportunity to, and and that's 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 really why I'm so thankful, you know, for for where my my career has taken me because I've really come and come in contact with some of the greatest players that ever played the game, you know, uh, whether that be Eric Thomas, you know, or or, uh, or Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, you know, Russell Wilson. Um, DeAndre Hopkins, you know, J.J. Watt, Whitney Merce, like dudes, dudes that have been around, you know, and played a lot of football and um, not just football, but life, you know, you, I, 
like oftentimes I would talk to Bobby more about life and KJ more about life than we ever talk about football, you know. Um, it's the same thing with Jay. Uh, he's like when, he, when we're on the field, we're on the field, you know what I mean? But we're, when we're outside of, of the workspace or um, just hanging out in the locker room or the cafeteria, you know, he's, he's a great guy to, to, to learn from and to, to study how he does things, you know. And I think that's very important as a, as a younger guy trying to navigate your way to the league, you know, trying to really make a name for yourself. Um, it's important to study the guys that have had a lot of success in this league and, and dudes like Bobby and KJ and, and Russ and, and Jay and, and Deshaun and dudes, dudes that are, that are pros, like at the end of the day, that, that handle business and um, have fun with it. You know, they enjoy uh, the fun of the game. And I think that's, that's the really most important part of it is enjoying the fun of it because at the end of the day, you, you start playing this game because it's fun. So uh, why change now? Um, I think that's an aspect that a lot of a lot of the, the those guys talk about is the, the fun of it, man. Go have fun of it, and and they work extremely hard and uh, are extremely detailed in their craft. And uh, to be able to watch someone so great, you know, someone he, he he they are he will be a Hall of Famer. You know, that is not wrong for anyone to ever say. Uh, you know. So being able to work with that closely with, with the legend, it's someone that you grew up watching. Like we we all grew up watching JJ Watt. Mm-hmm. You know, we all we all watched JJ Watt. You know, so um, now I'm just thankful for the opportunity to to share a space with him and to be able to learn and and, and play with him. Obviously, uh, someone that uh, he can call upon in his, in his time of need, or uh, someone I can call upon in my time of need, and someone I can trust. Uh, someone I know that will be there. Um, so it's it's awesome to have guys like that. Um, that you come in contact with uh, in your life, so um, it'd be you'd be foolish not to not to take advantage of that. Just to add on to that, uh, what player do you watch film of and try to emulate in your own game? Like, see, that's that's like that's like a real that's a real tough question, you know, because body type matters, man. So like like when in terms of when you're looking at pass rushing and, and pass rush film, um, I think first and foremost you have to understand who you are as a rusher, right? I know that I, I'm 245 pounds, right? 247 pounds on a good day, okay? Um, so I'm not going to be able to, to, to bull rush somebody that's 300, 330, 350 pounds uh, every passing situation. You know, that just, that's, not, that's just not happening, you know what I mean? So for me, trying to emulate Khalil Mack, you know, would be foolish. You know, he's, he's a stutter bull, long arm type of guy. Put a hole in your chest. You know what I mean? That's not me. I'm saying guys that I like to, to watch, you know, would be Vaughn and Frank Clark, um, Yannick. Uh, what's Shaq's last name? Uh, Tampa. Barrett? Yeah, Barrett, right? Barrett? Yeah. Uh, Bay. Mm, he was actually my host, man. I took a visit to Colorado State. He was my host. Oh, uh, really? I took a visit to Colorado State, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, those are, those are pretty much the guys that I watch, you know, dudes that are, that are real twitched up, you know, uh, guys that are in that, that four or that are in that uh, four, six range, um, four, six, four, five range. Dudes with good first steps, you know, they're twitchy. Um, I try to watch guys that have similar, similar body mechanics as me um, because that's, that's one thing that, that people don't realize. Like when you, when you're fast rushing, it's easy to, to emulate somebody, man, but to really, to really like fully accomplish that movement, you got to figure out, how your mechanics work, your arms and legs moving together um, and what steps, what approach works best for you. Um, you know, because you, cert, certain moves, like I, like only Vaughn can do certain Vaughn shit. You know what I'm saying? Just like, <laughs> just like only Whitney, Whitney Merciless can do some of Whitney, like Whit has some of the craziest approaches I've ever seen in football, but he's very successful at what he does. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And like, and I remember. I know. I know, like, within myself, I'm not going to try to emulate wit because, like, wit, like, wit's wit. Like, those are his mechanics. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's going to do what works for him. So, what's, what's one thing that works for Jake Martin? What's one thing that you drive on the field that you Man, think someone else if you – what like, what I've learned, you know, um, and I was fortunate to have, to have a, a great a great D-line coach in Seattle, Clint Hurt, man, is one of the probably best to ever come, come in contact with. Um, but, you know – like what he like how he taught us pass rush or how he taught me how to pass rush or, or train like my brain to think about pass rushing man is if you go back and look at some of the greatest pass rushers of all time you know whether it be John Randall or uh, uh, Kevin Greeny 
you know, or even even Von, like like dudes that play today, like the most successful pass rushers, man, they they don't have this uh like people imagine this giant toolbox of all these fancy, fancy ass moves that these guys are gonna pull out of their back pocket to to defeat every tackle. They have a write up on every tackle about the move they're gonna use on them. Like, no, it doesn't work like that, man. And that's what it took me to understand as a pass rusher is that it I need a move in a counter. I need my go-to move in a counter. And then I need a second counter off that counter. You know what I mean? Like uh, I go to move in like two counters. That's what you need. All right. I'm a speed guy. All right. I'm a run off the ball. Make you have to chase me. If you can't chase me, then I win. If you can kick with me, then I'm going to start thinking, all right, I'm either going to go power on this man or I have to spin back or try to get him tired so I can run by him eventually, you know? So, um, you know, my, my go to move would be very much like uh, Yannick uh, Njoku's uh, chop swing, uh, cross chop. Um, you know, chopping the his outside arm with my inside arm. Um, so like that, that's that's pretty much like how how I pass rush, man. I I go off one move, man. One 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 main move and a counter. It's pretty much it. Hey, man. As long as it works. Here, right. I'm gonna sit here and confidently nod my head like I can, like I know all the moves you're talking about. <laughs> good move. Good move, Jake. Good move. <laughs> you know, so like it's it, like uh, I, it's you gotta find what works for you. You know, you find what works for you and you develop that. And that's, that's really what took me um, a, a long time to understand, you know, as I was going through my progression in Seattle. Uh, if you saw at the beginning of the year, you know, even like my rushes were very sporadic, you know, in terms of where I was ending up at the end of the rush. Um, and being honestly, consciously thinking about, you know, the same kind of making it muscle memory now. So not, not so much thinking about like what move I'm going to throw. You know what I'm saying? It's like if, I, if I'm running, it's not, it's just the first thing that happens. It just happens, you know? Um, and that's, that's really what would, I think, change my whole mindset on fast rushing because before that I thought you had to have all these, and I, I, I was, I was very active in college and I had quality. I was a quality fast rusher that come out of college. So, um, you know, I'm thinking you have to have all these damn moves. You don't need to have all these damn moves. You know, you need two or three of them. Keep it simple. Perfect them and keep it pushing. Let's talk about, you know, some of the maybe other coaching changes that have gone around you a little bit since you've been in Houston. Romeo Cornell is now out as defensive coordinator. You get new defensive coordinator, Anthony Weaver. But we know with, you know, the whole coronavirus situation may have halted your ability to actually start to, you know, implement some of his ideas, get with him a little bit. How much have you been able to work with your new D coordinator and your new, you know, personnel but we've, you know, it's he's he's keeping he's keeping the core defense, you know, pretty pretty similar in terms of our terminology. Obviously, with a new DC, we're gonna have a whole lot of uh, some new concepts, which is expected, you know. But it's been it's been awesome, you know, had to have uh, um, him lead the defense. You know, it's it's cool to see him in that role. Um, you know, he's a good guy, great great D line coach, another one of the one of the one of those like legit D line coaches that you're gonna that you're gonna. Uh, come in contact with uh, throughout your career. Um, but, you know, he's a great guy. You know, he's a great, great young dude. You know, he's, I'm excited to play for him, obviously, you know, and being a defensive lineman and, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm excited to see what he comes up with uh, when we install this third down stuff coming um, in the next couple of weeks. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited to get with him, you know, in terms of training camp and whenever we can get on the field and pick his mind a little bit about why he's calling certain things. But other than that, I'm excited, and I know the guys are excited and uh, feeling feeling real real nice over here in Houston for sure. That's good. Well, in in particular, I mean, you you talked about he was the D line coach. He's going to bring a lot of new things to this, you know, to this defense. What's one thing do you think or you know is going to improve under Anthony Weaver? What's his like big biggest point of emphasis as D coordinator? I I just think our communication. I think our communication um, this year will, will be a, a whole lot better. Uh, in terms of how we talk to each other and how we uh, talk to the coaches, you know, uh, because like for, for football, man, like what I've come to learn or just life, you know, if, if we're not seeing it the same way, then you can never fix it. You know what I mean? So uh, really honing in on, on like the fundamentals of our game. You know, that's something we've really been focusing on this off season, you know, is, is knowing the terminology uh, of our, like knowing, knowing the offensive terminology. Um, just so, like, when we go to the bigger installs later in the year or the last-minute installs or we do game in-game corrections or something like that, um, we're all talking 
and, and we're, we understand that the corrections that we're changing, you know, I think that's something that I'm really looking forward to um, this year is um, our communication and, you know, essentially recoding uh, the defense and, and making, making it, uh, just making it, making it, making it, making it, making it like a blanket. So everyone is like on the same page. Uh, that's what I'm really looking forward to uh, this year for sure. Jay, before we get into a little bit uh, more of a lighthearted segment here, I want to uh, take a step back into last season's playoffs. You had obviously a huge play against Buffalo um, on that fourth down. Uh, that really kind of, I, I guess, I mean, I don't really want to call it a coming out party because people from Temple, obviously, I, I knew you very well. But um, what was that like on the biggest stage, having such a huge play? And then also going forward, what are your goals for next season? Man, that was that was the last I've I've heard that stadium since I've been here, um, and that was that was just a it was an electrifying moment, you know. That's the first I'd ever been in the playoffs, um, and that's the first a lot of these guys had ever been um, in the playoffs, you know. So uh, it was just an awesome moment, you know. I was happy I was able to contribute to the team whenever my number was called, and uh, just grateful for the opportunity, you know. Uh, blessed for sure. Uh, but this, my goals for this upcoming year is to be an animal, man. I'm just, I'm really, I'm really just trying to take over, take this whole thing by storm, man. I know, I know that's how it's going to be. So, um, just sit back and watch. That's all I got to say. No more I'm needs to be said. Sure. Period. No more needs to be said. chilling right there. <laughs> no more. That's that Temple Tough talking right there. But we're going to move on into uh, our second segment, Jake. We call this Speaking Facts. So, uh, we mm-hmm. picked three quotes uh, from the sports landscape, and we're going to run them by you. And we just need to know one question. Is the person who said this quote speaking facts or not, and why? Okay? Pretty simple. So the first one, okay, we, have, okay. first one we have is for uh, Clemson coach, Clemson football coach Dabo Sweeney. Uh, had some pretty high praise for your now quarterback, Deshaun Watson, when he was coming out of Clemson. Said Deshaun Watson is the Michael Jordan of the NFL, or is going to be the Michael Jordan yeah. of the NFL. Was Dabo speaking facts? What? Yo, straight facts, man. <laughs> uh, bro, you know, Deshaun, Deshaun is a special dude. And I, I, I'm not sure if – why? Oh, man, screw it, bro. Like, the dude, the dude was, was, was being talked about majority – him, Russell, and Lamar were talking, talking about all last year, man, MVP. The dude got kicked in the face and threw a touchdown, man. That's all yeah, I need to what? see. Nuts. You know what I'm saying? The dude the, – <laughs> Like, I, the things that he is able to do with the football in his hand or are, are amazing. You know, he's, a, he's an even better person off the field, an even better teammate, um, great guy, great mentality, you know, just a great mind, a great mind of the game. Um, you know, so that's straight facts for sure, <laughs> for sure. Stat, stat, Matt, or Clemson stand, do you agree? Yeah. Uh, I definitely – He. I can't believe he was – People thought Mitch Trubisky would be better than him. It's a joke. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it, man. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on to our second one here. Bleach Report has you guys, the Texans, listed as the second worst defense in the league this upcoming season. I feel like I know the answer to this one, but Jake, are they speaking facts? <laughs> no, nah, man. They lie, man. They lie. I'm not, I'm they not lie. sure where, where they – I don't know where they got this information from, uh, you know, but – like I say, man, sit back and watch, bro. I, I, I'm not here to, to argue with, with, with reporters on Bleach Report and shit like that, man. Uh, I know what we're capable of, and I'm excited um, because I know what we got in our backyard. Uh, I know what we got, so I'm excited. I know we, we, got, we got some dudes. We got some, some bad dudes on this team, and I'm, I'm excited to see these boys play for sure. I know that's right. I'm pretty sure J.J. Watt had his entire pectoral muscle hanging out of socket, hanging out of place, and came back and played majority of that playoff game. That's Superhuman, like stuff like that. Yes. Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> so we got the last one. Um, your, formal te- your former Temple teammate, P.J. Walker, was, was lighting up uh, the XFL only for five games, but earned himself yeah. an NFL contract, got signed by the Panthers, so did, did a great job. And um, this reporter, Louis Torado Jr., um, from, a, from a local Carolina website, wrote this article, and the headline was plain and simple. P.J. Walker will easily make Carolina's final roster. And I know you, you played on the same sideline with him, wore the same jersey as him, saw him up close and personal. So from what you've seen from P.J. Walker, is Lewis Toronto speaking fast? Man, uh, for, for us Temple guys, we know P.J. is going to be P.J. at all times of the day. 
uh, and night when he steps on that field, man. And uh, I'm just happy to see him get the opportunity that he deserves, uh, you know, to show his talents because uh, that, 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 is one, that is one name from Temple that, that should be in the NFL that is not currently in the NFL. Um, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. I'm happy that he got his opportunity to, to ball out down here in Houston. You know, he, he came over to the crib a few times, um, and I got to check him out uh, a couple times while he played down here. Um, so that was dope, you know, to have to have uh, him around and uh, to see that he has – his mentality uh, has not changed, you know, since college. And uh, I'm excited to see where his career goes from here because uh, it's going to be exciting. That's a name that, that you guys should most definitely remember um, because the, the, the dude's electric. You know, he, he does some things with football that not a lot of people can do. So I'm just – I'm happy he got his opportunity, man. Happy – he was able to, to, to come back into the league. You know, he was he was with Indy for a little while and um, happy back. So That's good. Temple all over the NFL. Well, we don't want to take up any more of your time, Jake. Thank you so much uh, for stopping by the podcast, dropping some gems, dropping some knowledge on us. Always great uh, to chat it up. I know Jake enjoyed the, the fellow Temple alum. He can't talk enough about it. So Yeah, sir. To use up. So, um, but, yeah. <laughs> there he is. Uh, there there you go. Go. That's a nice that. pick. I know. We, <laughs> Can I get a copy of it? Your mean ship it. I'll send you my address. You can send hey, it. man, we uh, I, I I might be able to work that out. My guy, uh, Jordan Spector, you know, he, he paints a lot of yes, sir. You know, some some cool some cool paintings. You know, this yeah, is we, uh, we know Jordan all well. Spector, shout out, shout out, Spector Sports Art over there. Got you laced up. Big time, big got time. You, got you laced up. Thank you so much, uh, Jacob Martin of the uh, of the Houston Texans, fellow Temple alum over here. Thank you again, and uh, man, stay safe for everybody uh, and for yourself and next season. And good luck yeah, next for year. Sure, appreciate you guys. We'll Thank you for having me, man. And uh, wish you guys the best of luck and stay safe. Wash your hands for sure. Yeah, wash your hands. Thank you. All right, once again, thank you so much to Jake Martin of Houston Texas for coming by. Jake, you were like, we're ear to ear gritting that entire time. And I <laughs> love that. The, the Temple connection there. But now it's time to figure out what happened this past week in sports. We bring in our lovely Joel Schmitz to tell us that. Joel, how you doing today? I'm doing great, and I'm really excited to finally bring you some sports news because I think uh, a couple things happened this week uh, aside from the rest of the quarantine that we've been trying to dig shit up. Things actually did happen this week. <laughs> so to kick that off, um, a sad start, but Jerry Sloan, the Hall of Fame basketball coach who spent a majority of his coaching career with the Utah Jazz and was a former NBA player with the Chicago Bulls, has died on Friday at the age of 78 years old. Sloan had announced in 2016 that he had been diagnosed with Parkinson's disease and Lewy body dementia. Both are very serious diseases, obviously. He's considered one of the greatest coaches in NBA history and is number four on the all-time winningest coaches list with 1,221 victories among coaches with at least 500 games coached. He is a .603 winning percentage, spending 23 seasons with the Utah Jazz. Sloan in San Antonio's Greg Popovich, the only coaches in NBA history to win 1,000 games with one team. And in his 26 seasons, three with the Bulls, he had just three losing seasons and just one losing season in his two-plus decades with Utah. Yeah, I mean, It's a huge RIP because I don't think people – talk about Jerry Sloan as much as they should. I mean, if it's not for Michael Jordan, he probably has um, two championships. And, I mean, you talked about it, Joel, number four on the all-time winning list. Did so much more for basketball than just coach. So, RIP to a late great Jerry Sloan in 2020 has not been kind on the NBA. No, not been kind on any of us. Yeah, 41 years as a player and coach combined is just like – like it's really hard to fathom being a part of the NBA that long. So, he was – as as you as you both have said, I mean, a very foundational piece in the NBA as it's grown to what it is now. Yep, no doubt, a monumental figure in the league for sure. Moving on, Dak Prescott was allegedly offered a 175 million deal by the Cowboys this week, according to reports over the weekend from Prescott's agent. This all was just not the case and never even happened. The two sides, being the team and Prescott had never even discussed such scenarios or anything like it. Um, it is speculated that the quarterback wants shorter deals as he feels he can negotiate for the final big payday as he reaches his 30s. Cowboys, on their part, are going for obviously a longer deal as he remains tied to them for a while before they need to bump his pay yet again. And we have 
touched on this about what, like a month or so ago, um, just the debacle going back and forth. Um, but what is going to happen if he refuses to sign with the Cowboys? Because the two sides have still not come to an agreement just quite yet. Um, the length of the contract obviously seems to be the issue here. And the answer to the above question really is, you know, if the Cowboys and Dak Prescott don't end up reaching a long-term agreement and he refuses to sign with his franchise tag, he simply becomes ineligible to play in the 2020 season. And the tag in his contract, it's just, it's up. But that doesn't mean, like, Dak can just, like, go ahead and sign somewhere else to play in next season. And July 15th is the deadline. So they need to, they need to figure it out quick. I mean, can, you know, Dak, can Dak really afford to not play a year of football and then get a contract after that? Like, I don't think here, that he can't do that. Yeah, he could, he could, he could speed off if he wanted no, to. I wouldn't mind. But here's what – I just don't get where he's coming from. Like, okay, maybe you think you're better than Jared Goff who got a big contract. Maybe you think you're – Publicity, my friend. Well, maybe he Publicity. thinks he's – I mean, he could also think that he is better. But here's the thing. Those players, he might be better than those players. But those players got their team to the Super Bowl. Matt Ryan's been in the Super Bowl. Jared Goff has been in the Super Bowl. Joe Flacco, I think he was the highest paid for a little bit. He won his team a Super Bowl. What has Dak Prescott done? <laughs> You're being harsh. I, I don't know. You're being, he also, in another avenue, Dak needs a tighter circle. This is the second story that is broken that has been not true coming from his camp. First the coronavirus party, and now the fact that there is this new deal in place, which is it's just wrong. There's just no new deal in place. So, like, he, that needs to tighten his circle or just better information needs to be, you know, coming out of his party because you know, people just lying on his name at this point. Yeah, 100%, guys. Also this weekend, the match, Champions for Charity, kicked off and drew in an average, an average of 5.8 million viewers making it the most watched combined golf telecast on cable, it actually ended up even peaking at 6.3 million viewers at one point during the match. And in the end, we all know Tiger and Peyton Manning outdueled Phil Mickelson and Tom Brady, even with Chuck Barkley hanging out in the booth uh, <laughs> commentating the entire time. Uh, and oh, by the way, the charity event raised more than $20 million for COVID relief. And just like, how awesome is that? I'm glad you put that last part in. That's the most important yeah. part. Because I think a bunch of people forgot why they were doing the golf match. I think we really need yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, we, we all needed it during this time for entertainment I, and I whatnot. But, like, what, what's the end cause here? I'm glad Tom got all that losing out of his belt now. He can lose in May. We're not losing in September. For stat, Matt, I'll just say the better quarterback won. Yeah, you're lucky you're sitting behind a, a camera screen over there. That's why he's bold and said that. Big news next, Naomi Osaka, the 22-year-old tennis star, has earned the position as the highest-paid female athlete coming in with $37.4 million in earnings over the last year. A heavy contribution towards that being the endorsements she has received as a professional player only at the age of 16 for back-to-back grand slams within just two years after this and almost participating in the Olympics, as we all know, did not happen this year. Uh, Prior to this record being broken, Serena Williams was the world's highest paid female athlete for four years running. And Maria Sharapova previously held the title for the most money earned by a female athlete in a single year. Holy hell. She's got a hell of a career coming up and I'm very excited for her. It's funny because, like, tennis and golf are, like, those sports where, like, you – and soccer kind of, like, you ascend, like, really, really young. Like, your peak is, like, your early 20s. Like, it's – you see, like, 16-year-olds making tens of millions of dollars in these sports. Yeah, and I that was a good point. What I was going to say is pretty much the same thing, but, like, if you are a young, especially female athlete, the, all the money is in the solo sports. Don't mm-hmm. go into soccer or basketball. It's much harder to, to really – make your way up the uh the highest paid list even if you are the best in the world compared to some of these others you're paid what you're worth uh but i just find that interesting yeah 100 pay last but not least yay 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 the nhl is heading straight to the playoffs and the premier league is said to return june 17th sports are back guys 
the NHL will abandon the rest of the regular season and go straight into the playoffs with 24 teams instead of 16 if it is able to resume play, that is, with the Carolina Hurricanes, the Bay Lightning, the only teams being representatives who kind of voted against it, but obviously were overruled. The commissioner says the goal is to hold an 82-game season in 2020-2021. Obviously, with COVID still being a major concern, Commissioner Bettman said Chicago, Columbus, Dallas, Las Vegas, Los Angeles, Minneapolis, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and Vancouver are being considered as hubs to kind of host these games. Um, obviously, they all have to have secure arenas, hotels, and practice facilities, and then aggressive COVID testing as well. And um, as mentioned before as well, the Premier League is set to return on the 17th of June after a very long three-month delay. The first game will be played upon the league's resumption. We will see Aston Sheffield United, while Manchester City welcomes Arsenal. Both of those matches had originally been postponed due to the domestic cup ties, and every club will have played 29 league games once they are completed. Every team will then be left with nine games to play with dates for further fixtures, which will all be played uh, without supporters in the stadiums. Um, yeah, we're easing back into it. I'm pumped. We're taking steps towards it. I think it's interesting. They, uh, we're waiting for a lot of leagues to make the decisions on whether they're just going to cut the regular season and go right to playoffs, and the NHL did it. And now it's like it's the NBA trying to figure out what they're going to do, and I'm wondering if their decision is going to be affected by the NHL kind of making this definitive decision of we're just going right to the playoffs. Yeah, and I think, as Jake Martin said, like the most interesting part for me is going to be how are these players going to – perform in these environments like you have to obviously have the on-court stuff but then them being kept in the same area the same place um for the remainder of the playoffs there being no fans it's going to be really intriguing to see how that impacts the product on the court all right guys let's head to the countdown number five number five the amount of mb mvp awards michael jordan won in his career uh it said right now, a bunch of players are saying LeBron James should be named MVP of this year. Damian Lillard actually said that today in an interview. What, I mean, do we think LeBron is going to get his fifth and tie Michael Jordan this year? Is that where it's going? I mean, I could see it happening. but And, and honestly, this lockout, in my opinion, helps LeBron's case, especially if we go straight to playoffs. Um, but when you look at the numbers, it's Giannis. I mean, it's just Giannis. I, like, I want it to be LeBron, but when you look at the numbers – I have a hard time saying it's LeBron. It was like Steph's second MVP season where he won MVP the year before and then got better. How do you not get it? How do you not get it? Yeah. Number four. The number of players taken in the 2020 NFL draft from Temple University. As Jake Martin, our guy, said while he was on here, uh, they're, I think, from the one Temple team that he was on that beat Penn State. I think the official number is 26 players from that roster ended up on an NFL roster. Look, I went to Temple assuming it was going to be a basketball school, and from the day that I got there, the football team has been really, really outperforming expectations. So, great to see. To you, baby. PJ, PJ Walker, the last domino to fall from that. Yep. Number three. The amount of players with a reception past the age of 40, these players in the NFL are Jerry Rice, Tom Brady, and Brett Favre, this was put in here by a statistician, Kyle Sirick, and he puts in quotation marks, Chad Johnson comeback. Chad Johnson has been reaching out to NFL teams for the past couple of years now trying to make a comeback, and he would be the fourth person on this list to have a reception at the age of 40. I don't know how likely that is. I don't know. A couple of teams could probably use Chad Johnson, though. Larry Fitz has to play three more years, and I think he's there. I think he's like 36 or 37. I don't know if we got three years of Larry Fitz. I said that, I said that three years ago. That's true. <laughs> Number two. The number of consecutive seasons the Texans have won the AFC South, obviously uh, in reference to our guy Jake Martin's team. They've been pretty good. Sean Watson's been able to carry them. Um, but I think they're going to run into a little bit of trouble this upcoming year. The Indianapolis Colts are starting to turn that team around. And before these two past years where the Texans have won the division, it was the Colts and Andrew Luck leading the way. I think as they start to settle, they have Phillip Rivers in there now. We might see a return to grace for the Colts. Uh, the Titans got their bearings under them last year. Got a quarterback they can rely on. Derek Henry's the rushing leader. And Mike Vrabel's got like a tight knit on that team now. I, I like the Texans in the AFC South. But 
You know, you know, Jake Martin told us to, to sit and watch, so we're going to wait to see what the Texans got. Bring it down to number one. Number one, the amount of players, the amount of playoff games the Detroit Lions have won since 1957. Um, they get a, you know, kind of a revamped start this year. But, I mean, they're, they're in a really tough division in the NFC North. Do they have a chance to at least get another playoff win this year? I say no. They're going to finish last in the NFC North again. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel bad, but the answer is no. Why do you feel bad? Who do you, who do you have to feel bad for for the Detroit Lions? I don't Those know. fans in Detroit, I mean, they don't really got much else going for them. You ever been to Detroit? <laughs> Not a ton of no. fun. <laughs> I, I don't feel bad for them. I, that, They're in my division. I, I give a shit less out there. That's days. true. That's true. Forgot we were talking to a Packers fan here. But uh, we're almost out of time for this episode of Straight Facts. It was a great one, but we can get some shots about the buzzer as always. Jake, do you have anything to say at the buzzer? Um, I am super thankful for sports coming back. I got a call from one of the producers at Radio.com saying that uh, they would be re-employing everyone – well, not everyone, but re-employing a good amount of the people who were laid off from the coronavirus and the sports stoppage. So I'm super grateful to be back to work. It's, it's you know, what I love to do and hopefully do for a long time. Love it, man. Let me know if there's any jobs or job openings. Of course, of course. Joel, got anything to say at the buzzer? I do. My best friend from home is finally moving to Philly this weekend. I'm helping her move down. James, I know you just moved down. I'm very excited for the both of you, and I can't wait to play when everything opens back up. I love it. I love it. I've got much to say at the buzzer. Um, one of uh, one of me and Jake's good friends, Jake Nolica, his movie, Lockbox short film, um, just got published, just got released. Also is in, uh, I think it's the LA Sun-Times Music Festival or something like that. Sorry if I'm getting the name wrong, Jake. Everyone listening, go check out Lockbox, Phoenix Fell on the Map, and um, also Justice um, for George Floyd and everyone involved in police brutality. So um, that's, all that, that's all the time we have for this episode of Straight Facts. Um, big ups to Kyle Sirik and Stat Matt Robinson for doing what they do behind the camera. Thank you again. For special guest Jake Martin for stopping by and blessing the Straight Facts podcast. But for my partner, Joel Smith. It's been real. It's been fun. It's been real fun. To my main man's Jake Daly. I am James Jackson. And these have been the facts. Straight up. Straight up.